Hello and welcome to another episode of Radio Oedipus, the podcast where we explore the culture of beer. And I'm your host, Danny Walker. For new listeners, an extra special warm welcome and thanks for tuning in. I do recommend that you visit our website and check out some of our previous episodes. Also available there is some extra content like the special guest mixes we record each week live from our tap room here in Amsterdam. So head over there, oedipus.com forward slash radio. The podcast is also available by searching Radio Oedipus on your podcast app. On to today's show, around the table we have Sander Nadevain, co-founder and head brewer, and my guest is Remy Harwein, who is the founder of Chateau Amsterdam, a city winery. Together with his father, they have been producing wines for the last few years. We talk about his journey into the world of wine and how to source grapes when you're located on an industrial area of Amsterdam. As well as our interview, I quiz Remy on his knowledge of wine and I talk to Shaheen, the owner of Navarre Rez, a beer cafe in Portland, about what's in his fridge. All that on today's episode of the Radio Oedipus podcast. Around the table, I'm joined by Sander Nadevain, co-founder and head brewer here at Oedipus. How are you doing today, mate? Yeah, pretty good. Good, pretty good. Yeah. Good, good. And also joining us is Remy Harawine, founder of Chateau, a city winery. The Netherlands first, I read on your website. Am I correct in saying so? Well, yes, that's what we, uh, we yeah, the, I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. And our neighbours here on the uh, Hammer Canal, right next to the brewery. How was your journey uh, here today? Oh, uh, quite rough, to be honest, but uh, I made it. <laughs> good. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, now, today we're going to discuss a little bit about uh, wine, obviously. We're having you in the room. And there are a lot of similarities and a lot of differences in between uh, beer and wine. One is uh, commonly known as a luxurious drink, served in elegant glasses, sipped in order to savor flavor, and the other gulped, often served in uh, half-liter glasses. And drank until you pass out, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> However, both have the same outcome, a bit of a headache. Would you say you, uh, <laughs> Remy, would you say you uh, have more of an elegant palate as a, as a wine man or? Elegant, oh, oh, we're starting off uh, <laughs> real sharp here. Uh, uh, mm. When was the last pint you had? Uh, yesterday evening. Okay, uh, pint. Yeah. No pints. No, I, I half don't like pints. Half a liter. Half a liter. No. Uh, okay. No. 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 I like uh, more stronger beers or Belgian beers or your beers you guys brew. And I live almost next door of Gulpener. So I, oh, I right, personally, okay. I'm next door of Gulpener, and and with Chateau I'm next to you guys. So that's more <laughs> or less my reference. Yeah, we're in good company always. Yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. Nice. And obviously there's no sour grapes here. We're, we're lovers of all beverages. Um, but are you a red or a white wine man when drinking? <laughs> no, I, I'm a... No I'm preference? A, no, no preference, no. Okay. I, I like... Um, I can, I can enjoy a, a, a lot of beverages as long... Uh, yeah, there has to be some uh, vividness inside the glass and some... Uh, some uh, and not too complex. I'm actually not such a... A layered man inside of, uh, yeah, I'm not uh, looking for third or fourth. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I try. I like it when it's when it has chosen a direction. Okay, I understand that. Simplicity sometimes uh, sings higher. Let's say. Um, all right, perfect segue into uh, sharing a beer together. So let's drink a beer. Let's uh, kick off with a beer review. Yeah. So uh, I have brought to the table uh, sour saison by Burdock Brewery. 
from Toronto in Canada. How much do you know about them, uh, Sander? I think they were at the Carnival of Breton and Mises a few years ago, if I remember correctly. Or the Beers came over at least. And because I can't remember actually having met a brewer or a person involved in the brewery. Um, but uh, yeah, I've tried quite some beers of theirs, or nah, quite uh, a few actually. Uh, all saisons, all mixed fermentation beers. Uh, some with fruit, also with grapes, mm. and uh, I found them really, really good. Actually, I was always very, um, yeah, pleasantly surprised mm -hmm. by the beers. And um, yeah, I think actually they, they, they're from Canada, yeah. um, and uh, they, I think their beers were in that. Uh, they, I think it was so. This year we had no Carnival Bretomyces. And then two years before that, that uh, also in the beer temple, there were a couple of beers on tap. And I was really positively surprised by that because I didn't know them before. And um, yeah, it's funny to see that they, uh, they, they can, uh, a can conditioned uh, sour saison, they call this, mm -hmm. uh, three. Um, I'm not sure actually if it's really fresh. This is the bottling so. date. No. Right. Nah, it, it also, it smells a bit like it has some age. Yeah. Not very unpleasant, actually, but the, I think how I... Uh, that's an old beer, right? 2018 for you is... Yeah, I'm not sure if that's a packaging date, but I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, although, yeah. That would make it quite old. I know it's meant to be yeah. can-conditioned. Nah, yeah. For me, 2018 is still young. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's different in my world. Yeah, yeah, but that's harvest, uh, harvest date then, huh? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, and then the bottle is often packaged in the year. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Then you have then you, well, not for all wines, but for uh, most wines, it's always best if you have a, at least a little of uh, patience. Yeah, yeah. Now it's not. I think for certain beers that also counts, and especially saisons can sometimes have. Uh, or uh, improve with age. I think often when a barrel comes in that can uh, bring certain characteristics that uh, can really become more pronounced or get more in harmony with the other flavors if it's in a package for a while. But I think, so this one, I think is a fairly simple sour saison and um, if I think of that style and, and the beer, it should be also very much about brightness and light, mm. fruity, citrusy, yellow fruit flavors. And what I get here a bit from the nose is also somewhat riper or maybe dried fruit notes um, that can come with uh, a beer that has a bit of age. And some people might really prefer that. But um, yeah, yeah no, I, I don't think it's uh, off-putting at all. Are yeah. the Burdock known for this style of beer? Like the the Saisons? You said you've had a few different ones by Yeah, them. I think so. Or to me, they are. Yeah. I think I've also seen uh, them doing Pilsners or uh, 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 yeah other styles, mm -hmm. but I don't think they're known for hazy IPAs or pastry stouts uh, or other trendy beer styles that you see a lot nowadays. And this is more indeed the farmhouse Saison uh fruited beers a lot with mixed yeah. fermentation um lots with barrel aging what is what is a saison um that's a good question uh there was this set of rules that i came across yeah. uh, that uh, bass uh, discussed we had a saison on the show probably about 10 episodes now oh, yeah. and bass went through the there's like 
Oh, 11, something, 11? Yeah, something like over 10 different rules yeah. in order to make it a saison. Yeah, Some, and you can miss two or so. Yeah. But one is that is brewed in Henegouwen, a province in southern Belgium uh, next to France. Another is it should be bottle conditioned in 75 CL, 75, 75 CL uh, bottle. 70, uh, and more... Yeah, medium or more bitterness or so so it's it's really a beer style that originates in this region yeah um but to me i think if you ask 10 brewers you get 10 different answers yeah which is fine i guess which is great but it's actually like a almost a terroir uh driven uh label to it Right. Well, they're brewed now all over the world. And everybody names it a saison. can name it a saison, yeah. yeah. It's not protected. And th- there's there's few beer styles that are protected regionally. Uh, they're also working on, on getting Lambic or Goose protected by the EU yeah. as a regional uh, protected product. But saison is not. And um, uh, yeah. yeah, so anybody can make it. And, and it, I think the, the beer should be about... To me, saisons are, are fermentation beers. So they are not about the malt. Of course, they play a role. They're not about hops. They can play a bigger or lesser role, but it's mostly about the yeast-derived flavors. Saisons, mm-hmm. to me, always should be dry. So the, that's a character of most saison yeast, that they attenuate the beer fully. That's different. What makes beer different from wine is that in a wort, in a brew that you make on a brew day, you have all these complex sugars, uh, whereas wine have more simple sugars, just fruit sugars, and that's easier for yeast to to digest basically. And in beer, there's often more residual sugars. But saison yeast, there's also these stories about th- like the classic example of saison, saison Dupont, yeah. uh, that their strain also consists of a wine uh, yeast, or there's a wine yeast that came in there, but there are multiple. Uh, lineages or uh, like <laughs> where the yeast comes from but there's also a wine direction but uh, it uh, makes a really dry beer but also produces I think spicy notes peppery herbal flavors yeah, sometimes and peppery, yeah. uh, spicy and a bit uh, maybe some clove uh, so these, these spicy notes you can get maybe sometimes a bit leathery uh, I think what they share also with so, with wild beers is that the bread and mice is a very common thing to also uh, that yeast and that wild uh, rustic character that it can bring is something that can work really well in saison also because that produces also very dry beers so i think for me it's really about that flavor you know having a really dry beer with these spicy notes sure there could be some bitterness so our first beer that we ever did was a saison and we added also uh, Szechuan pepper and lemongrass because I, I thought, okay, this there are these peppery notes produced by this yeast. How can we boost that? Or what can we add to, to enhance it or to focus on that? Or what can go in harmony? And that's mm-hmm. yeah. how we started with the recipe development for that beer. Yeah. Um, what, what is the... Can I ask... Um, can I, can I, hey, you can have I the microphone in front of you. <laughs> Use it as you will, my friend. <laughs> so we, because I realized that I... Uh, well... Uh, that that I n- don't know a lot about beer actually, and uh, for example, when you say um, uh, putting lemongrass into the recipe, w- in what stage, where does that happen? Is that when the when the, when the when the alcohol and when the ferment is it in the fermenting process, or do you do it afterwards? Um, you can do both. 
sometimes we do both, uh, but usually when we have a recipe dialed in with most spice additions, I find it easier to do it on in the brew. So before yeast is added. Yeah, yeah. So when it's hot, you have a hot extraction. You sanitize also the ingredient that you're adding. So the basic, uh, the most, our most uh, equivalent. That's where yeah. you make the... That's what we call wort. Yeah. Um, and we boil a wort. And at the end of the boil, so late in the boil, we boil for an hour, let's say. Uh, late in the boil, you can add um, ingredients that add aromatics. It can be hops. Most often it's hops. Yeah. But also spices yeah. uh, or fruits. You can yeah. also add in a boil. Yeah. Uh, to And if you do it late in the boil... You can also add hops in the beginning of the boil. Yeah. You boil off all the aromatics, yeah. but you produce more bitterness or um, yeah, more bitter compounds are formed. Yeah. But if you do it late in the process, you keep more of the aromatics and you do um, yeah, a sort of a, a hot extraction yeah. in that sense. But you can also add hops, but fruit, uh, but also spices in fermentation or after primary fermentation. Yeah, so yeah. then the beer ages or That's what uh, we did matures. with the... With the Macabeo uh, ale, I think. Eh? Yeah. So yeah. we had a beer. Yeah. We added the grape skins, which also had some juice uh, in them still. Yeah. So that sparked a secondary fermentation. Yeah. And then set on the grapes to ex- extract as much uh, of the grapes that we could. And then uh, then it was ready for the next step. It yeah. could be either packaging or blending or... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, okay. So, sorry for your listeners. Hey, no, 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 it's cool, man. Know all these things. But well, back to, the, back to the beer at hand. It is very light uh, and crisp. Yeah. Uh, kind of, and we were talking about what a Saison is. What do you think is present in this beer that is kind of typical to the style of Saison? Nah, they call it the Sour Saison. Does that take away some of the dryness? No, no. I think it it helps making it nice and sharp. So this is definitely, I I think, quite a dry beer. Mm. Uh, I think the riper fruit notes that I get from the aroma are sort of balancing it out. It gives a bit more depth or or maturity. Mm. Um, uh, There's also, I think... A bit of leathery, uh, almost smoky notes that I get in the yeah. aroma. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's it's also all yeast derived, um, and so yeah, uh, that would be the main saison characteristics that mm-hmm. I would say. And acidity is something that you can have in s- certain saisons, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's labeled as a sour saison, sometimes it's not. Um, but uh, yeah, I think this makes it. I think that's also how the style, or what most people agree on, that the style was this beer that was brewed uh, in March or beginning of the year in springtime. Usually back in the day in the summer, there was little brewing going on because the beer went um, foul too quickly or sour. or So brewing was a winter affair, so from fall to uh, spring. And these saisons were brewed in spring to be consumed by the end of summer uh, during harvest. And so it's should be very much thirst quenching yeah, yeah. and easygoing yeah. drinking beer in yeah. a pint glass. <laughs> Certainly yeah. true or for this beer. Big bottles. Yeah. Uh, for the yeah, people the har- that work uh, <laughs> yeah. on the harvest, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once work's finished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think this can do that, you know. Yeah, it's five and a half percent um yeah, you know, it's it's thirst yeah. quenching for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's fresh. Yeah. Yeah, just a bit of uh Background on Burdock, yeah, they are in uh, Toronto, Canada. They are known for this lighter style of beer, lagers, a lot of farmhouse ales. I saw yeah. on their kind of wine uh, on their beer portfolio. <laughs> Saisons, like Sanders said, uh, light and crispy beers. In 
in the Toronto area, they have a bar, a restaurant and a music hall. So like I know they do a lot in terms of not just beer. And yeah, they also have a, sell a lot of other produce, produce like wine and coffee and things like that. So they're more than just a brewery, but they're doing interesting stuff. So look out for that. Life them. is more than beer. Life is more than beer. <laughs> All right, so uh, perfect segue onto talking about something else. Beer is more than life. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about wine, hey? So, yeah, we're looking to have Remy in the room with us, the founder of Chateau, a city winery based here in Amsterdam North. Uh, So what does that mean compared to a traditional or conventional winery, winery, shall we say? Well, uh, uh, well, for one, uh, we are uh, situated in the middle of the city, uh, so, um, and that's, uh, a new way of, uh, of, of making a wine of at least a new, uh, location for making wine. And we don't, uh, own our own, uh, crops or our own mm-hmm. plants, uh, on fields. We work together with, uh, farmers, uh, in Europe, mm. uh, partners, which we are quite close with. And, um, and we, uh, uh together, actually, you could see also as a, it's actually we we build a bridge between several fields all over Europe and the city center of Amsterdam and thereby with its people with the citizens of yeah. Amsterdam cool. so we also uh try to um yeah try to keep uh, the wine uh, uh not principally but but uh naturally as close to uh, the place where it's uh, where we make it mm. And people can join us in our tasting room, or uh, or they they can find it in shops in Amsterdam, and um, and bringing the production uh, part much closer to uh, where people live, where people gather, where people are uh, uh, a different uh, maybe also a different energy uh, around um, um, experiencing uh, uh, wine. Wine, nice. And how does that? Because that it must be the big factor then, the, the fact that your suppliers are uh, elsewhere. How does that process, can you explain a little bit about how that process works from getting your grapes to Amsterdam? Yeah, um, well, uh, maybe it uh, depends a little bit on uh, um, how much you know about wine, but, but to begin uh, with, a grape only um, flourishes once a year. Yeah. Uh, around uh, most uh, of the time uh, in September, uh, sometimes October, sometimes August, depending a little bit on the on the area, the type of uh, the variety and mm-hmm. uh, the climate uh, of the of the of that moment of the summer. Yeah. Um, and um, so that means that you have one time a year the chance to uh, to uh, yeah to, to to find your resources to make a beautiful wine, and. Um, and then, uh, so, so, uh, we work together with, with partners, which we try, we, we were a young company. We only exist for three or four years. So our partnerships are also in, in that sense, quite young because we only, eh, with our longest partner, we made three vintages up till now and starting now with the fourth. So after three or four years, you get a little bit of grip on, uh, what, uh, that, uh, partner is doing in the field and your opinion about it and what we can make. Uh, with that grape so now the discussion is getting more layered and uh, we're, we're talking about uh, yield or uh, or the way um, the uh, canopy management is uh, is taking uh, place and uh, and um, and we can influence a little bit the uh, uh, the, the the procession of the of the, the way that we get a little bit move upwards a little bit more to biodynamic or uh, other um, um, uh, processes in the in, in the fields that are more better for the for the environment, and together with that farm and with a good 
partner, I mean, he, he or she also has a lot of ideas and is probably doing it longer than the, the partnership that and we have guys, together. Yeah. So we also trust a little bit on what they uh, are, are doing and, uh, and we taste our wines together. Uh, but but mainly uh, it's interesting. Uh, there are more farmers than there are winemakers in the world. So we work together with both uh and uh, the discussions also uh, are different with uh, those uh, type of uh, people and uh, and um, well and and when the when the grape is uh, when it's mature we harvest it by machine or by hand uh, depending on what we uh, on the grape again and on what we want to do with the wine if we're going to make a more elaborate wine or a more simple wine or uh, um, uh, and depending also on the field, some fields are really flat, others are really steep. So uh, then you also have, don't have a lot of choice than to uh, than to use your hands or or a mule or. Uh, mm. And uh, and then we uh, we transport them to uh, Amsterdam in uh, in crates, just normal fruit crates, but uh, with a specific layer. Uh, in the in the bottom that we have the um, that we diversify the the grapes and uh, the little bit of juice that comes free within the travel from the weight of the grapes itself right okay you get that image yeah yeah yeah. my english no 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 i understand yeah, it. yeah i'm yeah. just trying to picture it but yeah, yeah okay yeah. okay so what you get is depending also on the variety but some grapes are we we don't fill them up all the way because it's too heavy for the lowest grapes so yeah. we fill them up like three quarters yeah and then we try of course to to make a whole truck full so we have uh economically environmentally yeah. uh the most efficient uh uh, transportation, uh, but uh, with with the layer uh, with the the, yeah, the 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 thing down in the crates uh, yeah. that makes sure that we have uh, that we have uh, a controlled uh, fermentation uh, process uh, where we can use already the juice. in the transportation already. It you've got to think about that already. Yeah, and it's chilled, so you you could call it a way of uh, cold maceration. Mm -hmm. Uh, but sometimes we want it, sometimes we don't, and actually we uh, we improvise when we uh, when we uh, when we get the load here in Amsterdam and see mm. uh, what the quality is of the grapes, the juice. We taste. You taste a lot, actually. You can. Uh, it's actually in that sense also in the field. It's all about looking, feeling, tasting, uh, a little bit measuring. Uh, but uh, but uh, the chemical process is far more. Uh, during the vinification and uh, then in the in, in that part mm. and then we make a wine and a wine uh, well a young wine is uh, well you got really young wines but say a normal young wine is about six months after six months mm. uh, it's it's ready mm. and uh, and then uh, you put it in a bottle um, and within the bottle because wine i think just like like beer but maybe because of the chemical uh structure and maybe also the the the, the carbonite Carbonite, carbonation, carbonation. I think it's a form itself. It's a more uh, stabilized uh, product. But wine is super. Uh, uh, maybe not. I'm looking. <laughs> you can't see the sound of it. He's looking really <laughs> like no man. Uh, but yeah, but well, at I'm least wine isn't. <laughs> not yeah. not stable. No, it can be stable, but it 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 uh, it matures always every week. Yeah, it it is different. The same bottle, even when we um, um, stabilize the wine quite firmly because yeah. we have an idea of what we want to make, it mm -hmm. still evolves. So there is always, you never know exactly when is the right time for a bottle of wine to be uh, open. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I'm, I'm learning now through my own experience that when you have a moment that a wine 
really uh, taste well. You know, you have this, sometimes you have it, you put on the cork and you think, wow, what a glass. Mm. And you have two more of these bottles, drink them the same week. Mm. Don't don't wait. Or wait another year and go for the experiment. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it changes. So, so and, and, and especially when you shake the bottle, so for example, with when you fill it up, then the structure is really uh, rusty. So you, it, it's better to wait at least a few weeks so it chills a little bit in the bottle and um well in some bottles you need to or on the on, on on the oak or on the steel tanks or on the bottle you you give it a year longer or something so the whole process mm. sometimes uh, well takes on an average between one and two years mm. before the bottle of chateau amsterdam which you can buy in the shop mm. uh is uh, is finished from the moment we uh we saw the plant we got the mm. uh, the, the, the crop and then made wine of it i guess that's why it takes such a it seems like such a long period of time compared to maybe making a beer, let's say. And I guess that's why a lot of the oldest wineries have been running for hundreds of years or have been in certain family-run farms for hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, now, can you tell me a little bit about what it's like going to visit these like family-run farms? Where where are some of your suppliers located? Yeah, well, I was the day before yesterday. I was uh, at the, um, uh, at Hannes Place in uh, nearby Landau um, Anderfeld of Inderfeld, I think, is it? Which is uh, in the center of the Feld region, uh, which is um, more or less equal to the Elsass, a little bit up to yeah. to the east. Uh, German uh, terroir or West German terroir, so. Um, a lot of uh, 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 clay and uh, 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 kalk. Uh, what's a uh, uh, chalk? Chalk, yeah, chalk, and it's quite. It's a little bit limestone. Limestone. Mm. Limestone. Yeah, and um, so uh, and and um, so so they make uh, yeah they make quite classical wines yeah. there. Huh? No, I think limestone is yeah, the yeah. black one. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. more in the in the valleys. In the falls is a little bit more more. Is is less uh, is chalk, uh, driven right? yeah. by a river? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Terroir is not not uh, river driven. If you can, if that's a, mm. uh, a way of saying it, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. the Mosel or the Rheingau, you know, that's like microclimates. Fault is, is a little bit more bigger region, mm. but a, but an important uh, wine uh, uh, producing uh, part of Germany. Mm -hmm. So well, we go to Hannes. Uh, it's always a bit exciting to uh, go to. Uh, yeah, it sounds really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's because also uh, you have a lot of uh, well. For for first, the language is different, so it's not that difficult German. Uh, but but still, uh, it's it's always more difficult to not talk in your own uh, yeah, yeah. mother tongue, mother. Uh, so uh, that's one. And second is uh, you're talking to uh, another culture. So uh, I work with Italians, Spanish people. We're now starting with Slovenia, um, and and it's all these people are all uh, they all have their own traditions and ideas about uh, reality, and uh, and uh, and and you have to tap into that, uh, especially if you want to make uh, yeah, if you want to make a deal or if you want to yeah, of uh, course, yeah, try to move them a little bit to the left or to yeah. the right or have a dialogue about uh, something. So, um, so you never know exactly what your <laughs> what stage you will find your uh, yeah. <laughs> your friends in the field. <laughs> and Hannes is a young young guy. I think he's twenty twenty five or something, and owns uh, about uh, ten hectares. I think it's in running into the family. It's uh, he's not really. Uh, it's not much of a talker. So it's always uh, I, I don't know the whole story still since I, I've been meeting him yeah. two three years. But he's uh, he's always very. Uh, 
okay, come, 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 look to this, look to this. And then now uh, we're going to the fields on the quads and then we drive through the... And when we stand with the plants, it's not that he stands still, <laughs> he, starts, fun. <laughs> he starts pulling leaves and he said, no, 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 but tomorrow I will do uh, this and this. Oh yeah, we also have to go. Okay. And then uh, he's very... Uh, and then he said, okay, I gotta go. Are you okay? Uh, yeah, I gotta go. And then, then after two or three hours, which is okay in, in this case sometimes with the Spanish pe people, uh, it's like you you go for three days and you have to dine and, and 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 drink three times a day and a lot of wine and and they do a, and the business is all the way in the end it's like uh like really really fun and then you're really tired yeah <laughs> and then uh, oh yeah we're talking about prices per kilo yeah, yeah. Oh, no, i forgot you, i thought i was on holiday okay. <laughs> yeah 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 exactly and it's always you know and uh, and it's not that difficult actually the 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 business part because it's not necessary to get the, the best price. It should mm -hmm. be a mutual, uh, should be a mutual working relationship. But, um, but everything changes because it's, it's, it's one year later every time again. So people's right. life change, the world changes. So it's always a little bit exciting. Yeah. Where are we at the moment? And we're not in a position yet and we don't want to, to make it really like super business wise, you know, in a big contracts and stuff. Yeah. You, you want to flow a little bit and make sure that people have the same mm. ideology and, uh, and they visit us as well. So, uh, cool. in uh, November after the whole harvest part, when everybody is a little bit more relaxed, mm. then, uh, I think you, uh, you've, you've been there last year. I've joined. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, was really Great. special. Not, not all of them could make it, but quite a lot. And, uh, and this year we're actually, uh, working with, um, I think about eight uh, partners, so wow. like two times uh, as for the last year. And it's really cool because when you mix the cultures, then it becomes in, in Amsterdam and then it becomes Chateau Amsterdam again. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's yeah. when, and everybody is, you know, and the farmers are also really into what we're doing because they're curious on, uh, on, 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 on the taste level, you know, what yeah. did they make of my grapes? And whoa, they're blending, uh, they're blending my grapes with uh, another country grapes. What are they doing? You know, it's mm -hmm. a curiousness. But also because the wine making world is quite uh, traditional and conventional. Mm -hmm. So the freedom we have, they could never do that. They mm -hmm. can, they have rules to, uh, like the saison, uh, you know, they have rules in the faults. Mm -hmm. They even have rules when to, uh, pay the loans for the fields. There is a date by law that tells them that they have to pay their pachtgelder. Uh, yeah, yeah the rent, rent, rent for the fields. <laughs> Uh, to, uh, and it goes really far and also uh, about sugar or processes mm. or, yeah. or the, 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 the length where the bottle has to be inside. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> crazy. So we can, we can do anything we want. Yeah. So there are, also, but there's not a appellation on your label. No, no. That's the we, other we, side of it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. We are actually, I think we're making our own appellation. Yeah. That's our brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it seems like you have. Oh, sorry, Sandu. Do you have something to say? Yeah, about the Go farmers. On. I was curious. How do you, how do you um, select them? Then is it more on personality? You talk about them as friends, or is it more the terroir, the region, or is it more their process or philosophy of growing? Well, it's a it's a mix. But to be honest, it it's quite. Um, I think the true selection is quite. Um, it's more like the way you make friends. So it's more, uh, 
a feeling like do we want to do this mm -hmm. of course we have an idea of where we're searching for grapes because we have an own idea about uh, where this year we're trying to get some Sangiovese from Tuscany region because we're uh, introducing this line this year which is a little bit more terroir driven and we want to uh, we, 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 we just we we're all quite fans of Chianti and want to make our Chianti right so then we're looking for that and then the way we get there is we ask all the people we know and trust about wine do you know any nice farmer in that region then right, come right. up three names we connect mm. with them I already know it's Italy so it's going to be really difficult mm. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go what do you mean you have to go there if you don't go there you will never never make a deal yeah <laughs> if you go there you have a chance <laughs> and uh and uh and and i think in the future we're gonna we are already working on a sort of checklists which we think is important for for example the environmental part uh also on the health of the grapes that's that's the way you you say that a sort mm -hmm. of a level of, of outcome which has to be more yeah, we we are for us. It's important to get more continuously uh, in our production and a certain quality, and we need to make sure that we really ha have that. And then, well, the first two years was already a miracle that we were making wine, but now it mm -hmm. is. It's important to you know step it a little bit up, and um, so so it it works uh, actually like that, and um, yeah, uh, yeah, like that. It's quite. Quite fluent, but for example, now we're looking for Shannon Blow. So, if one of your listeners is uh, knows a farmer for Shannon Blow, hopefully, in the hopefully there's a Shannon Blanc farmer listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's hope. Hey? And then, uh, and 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 our uh, we we and now at the moment we are a little bit uh, lost in uh, that we don't know uh, how to get. And then uh, probably we're going to step in the car and just. Uh, but that's often how it starts with an idea. Okay, we want to make a wine like this, and we need a variety, a grape variety X. Yeah, most likely or um, preferably from region. Yeah, Y. Yeah, uh, or and then uh, then yeah. the hunt starts. And then you yeah. just go try and find the farm. It sounds yeah. like. And yeah. I can imagine yeah. that you can become more picky as you're lo longer in the game, and maybe yeah. in the beginning you were like, okay, any grape will do. Yeah, you know? my my first farmer was like like your your first kiss. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Ah, this, this, this sounds like a bit of like being in a relationship. This like kind yeah. of flirting, yeah. getting to know yeah, the person, yeah. whining, dining, yeah, and at yeah, the end yeah. of the night. It has you to might happen. get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound yeah, yeah. like that. <laughs> and you can't come home without grapes because then the family here is not disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. a bit like. Or I felt a bit uh, when you spoke about this. A bit like the beginning when we didn't have our own equipment yet. We rented out space in other breweries to make our beers, and um, it was really in the beginning like anybody who had capacity we would go but yeah. a few we didn't like to go yeah uh but quickly we also started to ah, maybe this type of beer we want to make this type of beer we should do it there because yeah. they it's their process they know how to make this style and then mm. uh, uh so we got more picky yeah. uh, along the way and yeah. of course uh super happy that we have our yeah. own equipment now and be in control but yeah. it feels a bit uh, there's yeah. a bit of a parallel i guess well in in my uh in my uh, ideal world we have uh, one person who is actually working on this relationship and on this like in a sort of a full-time or at least a focused uh, a job but it, it, it takes a lot of time because sure. you, you have to visit all these places which is super fun for I mean you mm. can imagine it's like uh, the holiday part is also there but it means also uh, quite a lot of time away from uh, home and, and we're we're 
we're doing a lot with few hands, so mm-hmm. we need to be smart uh, on where to, to where to be uh, at what time. And um, but I, I, I would, um, yeah, I, I would think that in the future we would uh, would have somebody uh, crossing all around Europe and uh, and making uh, making far more uh, in depth. Uh, relationships with these farmers or helping uh, or maybe advising even them yeah it could be a lot of uh, because nowadays we're getting help from adam dijkstra from uh uh Break winemaker and uh, uh he's uh he's really uh he's really uh, good in what he does he knows a lot about uh winemaking and uh and also about the, the, the part in the field and that if you go with him to a, a farmer then there is quite a chance that he knows a little bit more than the farmer itself and mm. then it's when it gets interesting and we're more here in Amsterdam we're more specialized uh, at, until this point in the vinification process uh, but uh, I am I, well if we uh, if we stay a little bit longer uh, here then we'll, we'll probably manage to get that to, to, to be more picky and uh, but also just to start knowing actually what's really important yeah i think that's uh, also for a brewer if i can make a parallel with uh, i visited a couple of hop farmers it's a bit the same like wine they you have the hop cones that are ready for picking end of summer then they're processed and you use them as a brewer in the rest of the year but yeah it has already been a challenge for me to visit one hop farmer every year i visited a few mm. uh but I think it's super interesting to see what choices they make throughout the year. So ideally, yeah. you would have uh, you visit a hop farmer where you get most of your hops from throughout the year to see. Okay, now this is happening, and maybe a week later could uh, uh, yeah. give more flavor such and such, or make the yield more this and that. Yeah. And the choices a farmer has throughout the year, but especially I think during harvest time, yeah. they can. Um, have so much influence on the the yeah. whatever you're growing, whether it's grapes or hops, and I think there's yeah. also a lot of similarities. And yeah, that's something we also want to understand. If you want to understand what we get in yeah. and when and what we make with it, mm. uh, and you're not growing it yourself, then yeah. you know knowing. And I think actually we uh, have the ambition to to do a bit of growing that ourselves, but also mostly for that reason to understand yeah. what this main ingredient is. Yeah. But I think understanding is the right motivation, uh, and but controlling wouldn't be, because I feel uh, that the world is much too rich and too diverse to be able to uh, really. Um, I, I wouldn't have the. Um, I, I trust my energy and the people which i work with in their energy that they will do the best thing that they can do which i maybe never can really understand because yeah it's a little bit and yeah the way the world works and i, I right. believe in people and in and in cosmos and uh and so i want to learn from them like you're mm-hmm. saying and i want to test or, or fantasize or try um, but I feel very comfortable with the idea that if, if Hannes says, I ah, know, yeah, I don't know. If he, if he says like, we're always doing it like that, I'm getting worried. But if he says like, no, but look, this is beautiful. This is the yeah. way I, this is, I, I wouldn't know how to do it better than this. Yeah. Right. Then I want to tap into that love and use that. Yeah. Uh, that and then you magical. have the, the yeah. trust and understanding of your winemaker then. Yeah. Now, uh, terroir is a term that's always used when we talk about wine. Like, how much of these, uh, how much terroir is captured in these farms that you go to? You spoke a little bit about the the ones in the German mountains. Like, what what do you think about terroir? Well, I, 
very broad question. Bit, bit broad. Uh, well, no, from a perspective of what we're doing, uh, terror is maybe a, a super challenging uh, a label because um, um, because uh, do we adopt the terroir? Do we change the terroir? Do mm. we uh, want to get rid of the terroir? Uh, in uh, uh, and I think we're trying to do all three, or at yeah. least uh, at least we're finding out about all three. Yeah. And uh, and and we're actually um, this year we're introducing uh, two uh, variety of wines, which we which we call ourselves. We we work a lot in these uh, uh, family um, concepts. So we have a father's line, a son's line, and a, and a grand. Uh, Son. As grandson's line. <laughs> and this year we're, we're producing for the first time a father's line and a, and a son's line. So the wine, uh, the wines that we just released are the son's line. And in, in a few months, it's going to be grandfather's, uh, of our, the father's line. And that one, um, or mother's for that, for that, uh, for that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> it's both, both, uh, both. Both work. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, and we, and we're trying to visualize that, uh, a more mature wine, we're gonna try to use the terroir in our more, let's say, progressive line. The more the, the, the son or the daughter who tries to find his own way. We're trying to make a more uh, uh, a process-driven uh, wine, so something we're really influencing in our winery to 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 do the different thing than the traditional part would do. And next year we're also trying to uh, make a line in which we have a very clear. Um, um, a described uh, taste that we want to try to reach. So we're not even, we're only looking at terroir as an ingredient to see if we can make an exact taste that we mm -hmm. have uh, determined to be willing to make. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, so for us terroir, we use it when we were trying to, uh, to make actually quite classical uh, conventional wines in our uh, wine domain. Yeah, in your way. In yeah. our chateau. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and and there were, and, and there were, for me in that sense is that I always well, I'm always passionate to visit wine areas because in my opinion it's nine out of ten times the most beautiful region in that part of the world. And that's also the Tawar. So I enjoy Tawar also for just uh, being there and uh yeah. standing on that soil or even if it is for for one day a year on that specific place yeah for sure do you think that uh, you have something like a house flavor that always this layer of chateau is on top of everything you make yeah good yeah good question yeah you know what i find super difficult still is we we only made uh, three years uh, of wine, yeah, I know. and that we can, we're doing a, we're doing a lot. <laughs> I don't know what exactly, but only uh, <laughs> we only made three uh, different. Uh, so the learning part on our own um, our own creative process, our own professional uh, craftsman process is super slow. Yeah. Uh, we can only iterate in two years per per bottle of wine and the rest is guessing. So that's also maybe why I'm so fond of the cosmos because <laughs> that's, that's more of a, a, a line to yeah, follow. Trust in that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then, uh, then, uh, and we measure and we try and we, we talk about it, but still, uh, so I, last year I've, I thought, 
uh, I thought at one point in time that maybe the yeast culture in our winery sort of pulled all the wines a little bit uh, together. Um, uh, but this year I can see a more diverse, uh, which is also maybe because Adam joined the team. So we're also getting two uh, other, uh, signatures. signatures. Yeah. So I'm still finding out, is it the signature or is it the yeast or is it maybe a mix or... Oh, interesting. Yeah. So... But yeah, yeah maybe you can help us with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it took us also years. And we, I think, learned faster because we can turn over beers uh, any time of the year yeah. uh, and can make beers. And in the beginning, it was slow because we didn't make that much. But especially when we started brewing in our own place, we uh, could turn over beers, yeah, in a month, you know, from brew day to packaging. Um, but also just being around and being a player in the beer landscape uh, for a couple it takes a couple of years to know okay this is our our part yeah. you know, this is what we like to yeah. understand better or get better at or yeah. explore um, and yeah it takes years and I think that's very natural but I, I yeah the reason I asked was a bit about this yeast I guess where you started talking yeah. about where is there something that you know if we if you ferment I think the space can the space where yeah. fermentation takes place, the yeah. the climate, the humidity, yeah. the, the temperature, people. the people, the music, maybe even yeah. it mm. can play a role in in what whatever yeah. comes out, and that could be very interesting yeah. in in your position that you have a grape that you uh, vinify and is also vinified in Spain or Italy, yeah. and the yeah. same grape maybe from the next plot or yeah. maybe even the same and turns into a total different total product. Different taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that's interesting. And we yeah. spoke with um, a it, it bread depends, maker also. But it depends also a little bit on who you ask, because I think there, for for example, Adam is quite uh, he's very technically uh, wise, so he he can maybe I think you're also you also have more uh, glasses like that, so you can see really what happens. Mm. And for the me, mad scientist kind of approach almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not saying that you you know that's the only way, but. Uh, you have the knowledge, and mm. for me, it's also I can I can just call in a meeting and say like, okay, guys, we're gonna diversify three rooms and see what's gonna yeah. happen. And then Adam is like, woof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely more technical, and that's also what why I became the brewer out of the four founders because I was mostly into the technical part and yeah. the chemistry and uh, yeah, and super important chemistry. Yeah, yeah. Mm. but yeah, I, I want to refer to what uh, this baker said is. She, they have a sourdough culture that they keep alive in the bakery at X. And if she takes a culture home and makes bread there, it behaves different mm -hmm. in yeah, the kitchen yeah, yeah. on the other side of the city, in the same city, mm -hmm. with very much the same weather. But this different environment already plays a role. So also from a technical perspective, you've seen the the proof yeah. for that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it was interesting yeah. if you yeah. found something like that, like, okay, the wines or the fermentation is always a bit like this, and then yeah. you get this peppery or citrusy or whatever layer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But maybe it's too early to yeah. to, uh, yeah. to, to Now, but we're going to find out because we have the old vintages, of course. So we're going to do a tasting together and just see if right. we can... Deal. Try and nail down that can profile. Find them because <laughs> it's also in my head. Yeah, ah, cool. Yeah. Let's take a quick break from our conversation with Remy to call Shaheen, owner of Beer Café Navarre Rez in Portland, Maine. 
Navarrez is one of the most popular beer bars in the Portland area and well connected within the beer scene there. So I was curious what Shaheen was keeping chill in his fridge. Let's give him a call. Hello, is that Shaheen? Yes, this is Danny. Yes, it is. How are you doing? Not too bad about yourself. I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Hey, so Shaheen, what have you got in your fridge? So, uh, I've got some for food items, uh, leftover Japanese food from my, uh, my wife works in Izakaya. Okay. And as far as beer goes, my wife doesn't drink as much anymore. So she has non-alcoholic Pilsner from Germany. Okay. <clears throat> Let's see. What's behind the milk? Uh, Hill Farmstead Flora Cherry. Right. And uh, we, I usually always keep some of our um, summer house beer that we brew down at Liquid Riot, uh, Bobo Pivo, which is like a Czech-style pilsner. Um, that's like our summer house beer down at Navari Rest Beer Cafe. So I usually always keep a couple of those just in case I'm like popping onto the beach or, uh, you know, after you get done mowing the lawn, it's the perfect lawnmower beer. Now, Li- Liquid Riot, is that, what is that? Is that a local brewery? Yep, it's a local brewery, distillery, and restaurant um, in Portland, Maine. Uh, my business partner, Eric Michaud, who uh, founded Navari with his wife, Julie Michaud, yeah. he always wanted a brew, so he actually went down the street, was opening up a brewery. He kind of got the distilling bug and realized that a distillery is only one step removed from a brewery. Um, yeah. So down the street, we have a brewery, distillery, and a restaurant. It's awesome for Navari Rest because yeah. I can kind of just go down there and like play around. Yeah. And we can make even uh, collaboration beers for people that we're doing events with. Or I can actually just brew our own house beer down there. So we do a few different house beers that we uh, pretty much serve exclusively at like Navari and Liquid Riot. Oh, cool. What sort of beers are they known for? What beer styles? Um, they're kind of like a little bit of everything. Just kind of like with Navari, it's celebrating like beer culture in general. So yeah. there's definitely always like Belgian beer, always a German or Czech style beer. And then also some English styles and then you know, the American offshoots of all those things. And getting to play around with stuff is kind of like half the fun of being down there. Mm-hmm. So we can brew beers from all around the world. Cool. Yeah. Now, I just read on the internet that there are like 58 breweries in Portland. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like very uh, popular area for beer. What are some of the other leading names? I'd definitely say the front runner and the godfather of everything that... Um, I would say is Allagash Brewing Company. Yeah, we know that. They're amazing. They're pretty much the guys who have been around since back in the day, but also keep like being very progressive and moving the main beer scene forward. And I would say like out of Europe, anytime you say Portland, Maine, usually you'll hear Allagash from uh, somebody, yeah. whether that's their collaborations they've done with Jean Benoit from uh, Cantillon or just uh, pretty much pouring their beer all around Europe as well. Yeah, for sure. They're definitely a familiar name that I've come across. Uh, one of the ones I will have heard of anyway. So, yeah, what else is in the fridge? I've got some rhubarb uh, wine from Denmark. Ooh. Uh, from Cold Hands Winery. Tell me more about that. That sounds delicious. But rhubarb wine, what? Is it sour? It's got a good acidity to it, but it actually has this, like, almost, like, rosé-like quality to it. Okay. Where it's like really, really like light, white stone fruit, good acidity to it, but with like just a hint of sweetness that kind of like rounds out everything. Actually, you usually keep that in the fridge either to drink by itself or it makes a very, very good Campari strip. Nice. That sounds good. Is that difficult to get hold of in Portland or? 
we can get it through Shelton Brothers. Like I love working with them just because they've actually brought us your beer before too. Oh really? Uh, so we've actually technically poured your beer at Navari before. Nice. So they usually have a lot of like fun esoteric wineries or breweries from all around the world, and I usually try to keep it in stock through them. Because anytime we have friends in town and might want to take a pause from beer, I'll break out a bottle of rhubarb wine or cherry wine and kind of like break up things a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think people usually always appreciate like a little bit of change of pace. Oh, definitely. Yeah, for sure. It's always nice to explore different flavor uh, profiles. Take one more look at the old refrigerator. <laughs> My fridge is like, I don't know if anybody's ever seen uh, Cool Teeth, the rapper's uh, 98-year-old refrigerator. He just describes how you want to keep your refrigerator stocked with things that only a 98-year-old would eat, so then your friends won't eat your food. <laughs> I have to go grocery shopping because I'm looking like that right now. I still have eggnog that I'm aging from Christmas. Oh, my God. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to mention? I'd just like to say, wear a mask, be safe, and luckily I'm going to have a beer at your brewery soon the next year. Yeah, I hope so too. And hopefully within the next uh, few years, I can make it over to Portland and uh, drink a beer in your what looks like amazing cafe. Fantastic. All right, man. Keep your fridge packed, keep it cold, and have a good day, man. All right, man. I really appreciate chatting to you. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, dude. Bye-bye. A very special thank you to Shaheen. If we're lucky enough to have some listeners in Portland, make sure to drop by Navari Res. Hoping to have a beer there one day myself. As always, check out the show notes for more information. You can get in contact with me to talk about your fridge via the address radio at uripus.com. But for now, let's get back into it with Sander and Remy. Now, just to take a step back from wine uh, for a couple of minutes, your background is in more of a creative uh, business sense, isn't it? What sort of projects were you working on before Chateau? Well, um, uh, yeah, well, so uh, I had a communications agency called Festina, and um, we did mainly work in the cultural field, so... Mm maybe things people would still know are like uh, Museumnacht or yeah. uh, Pitch Festival when it was still around for Mojo and yeah. uh, was was in back in the days <laughs> quite a quite a big deal quite a thing. Yeah. yeah 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 and uh, well but also Prada and Oerol we did a lot of, of cultural brands and we did or the digital part or the uh, branding and identity part yeah and we also did some other uh, 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 social uh, companies or, or corporate companies like T-Mobile. Uh, and that, well, that was, you could say that was my uh, former career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, so, and, uh, and and then I found wine, or wine found me actually. <laughs> did you find wine or was it like always kind of there in some uh, corner oh. of well, your cosmos, al- your own <laughs> personal one? <laughs> no, it was always there. Uh, but, uh, to be honest, I've, 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 uh, tried and started a few, uh, companies, right, which, okay. which, uh, uh, never became, uh, important enough to, uh, to play, uh, societally, I would say that a bigger, bigger role or something, but, uh, but, uh, this, and I always made like business plans or IDs or stuff. And so it's, that was my. My craftsmanship to be in the creative agency, but I've always been also really entrepreneurial, or at least um, I can I think I can say that by by now. And uh, and um, um, but this one actually, the wine adventure Chateau Amsterdam, is actually more of a yeah, it's more of a 
of a route that I'm walking that attracts people or that even the other way around, I'm just walking into other people that are uh, together. We're defining what this uh, adventure is. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't really like a, a, a totally set up structure of we're going to start an urban winery. I would, there was never there's no thought. defining moment or anything that well, made you of course during time you try to um, yeah you have to you have to use the energy and framework it a little to get it to the next level yeah. and that's also what I, what I do that's my uh, my 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 yeah, the, the mm -hmm. most time uh, I'm doing that uh, but um, uh, but the start was like uh, I don't know. I just find the the big uh, hole which we're uh, situated in the big uh, building. Yeah, the warehouse. Yeah, I just walked past it and I heard it was coming for, coming. Uh, yeah, it was getting uh, available. Yeah, available. Getting yeah. available. And I always had the boyish dream of uh, a big uh, hole where I could uh, <coughs> drive my car and, and my motor. Mess around. And, uh, yeah. yeah, mess around. <laughs> and then it's kind of every boy's dream, I think. Sometimes just yeah. to have a big open space so they can do whatever they whatever like. Whatever they like. Yeah, <laughs> kick a ball around. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I just uh, signed a, a contract, and then I thought, oh damn, this is really a lot of money. <laughs> then, <laughs> what so, do I do? Yeah. What do I do? So I put my creative company there. I said, okay, we're going to sit there because I have this big <laughs> hole now. And it was still really a lot of space left. So I figured out, okay, I'm going to ask other people to join me because then we can share the load. And then I also figured out a little bit, like, how does this sort of business case works, etc. And then there was one part of the hole that was still free. And the wine plan was always sort of in the back of my head, like, mm -hmm. I would love to do something wine, but what, you know, you're going to trade wine, you're going to make wine, but there's no grapes here. You're going to, I don't know, make an identity for wine. I, I wrote a letter to one of the champagne brands and they wrote mm -hmm. a letter back to me. I still have it in my own handwritten letter. Dear Mr. Remy, thank you for your ideas about our champagne brand. Uh, and, uh, but at the moment we we're talking to this, that, that said, it was really funny. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so that was no Wet click. stamp. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was really super traditional and very good. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, so that wasn't happening and uh, and then actually uh, I, had the, I had the I was always joking about now we're just going to make it here in Amsterdam and then my mm. father uh, who is uh, he's real craftsman he's uh, he's not per se a dip dip um, how do you say that he's not an educated uh, winemaker but uh, he's uh, was um, always uh, enthusiastic about wine and, uh, and did mm -hmm. the, the Vinologen study mm -hmm. wine academy and then he said, hey, what about if I just go for an internship at his 60, uh, 62 or something like that? Nice. And I see if I can learn it. And uh, I don't know, maybe I can make wine in your building. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dad. That's yeah. a bit crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, but the, uh, so we wrote a letter together to Lagader, which is, uh, well, quite a, it, yeah, well, it's quite a name and a little hero in, in Italy, northern Italy, yeah. in Citroën. Doing a lot of um, a beautiful example from uh, a family-owned uh, company that is making the change to biodynamic works mm -hmm. and still being uh, really also really commercially interesting and uh, do, I think they're doing it super super well. Beautiful wines and uh, and uh, a, a prosperous company. So uh, and then they said, okay, also come here and uh, help us for a month and uh, we give you. Uh, a little uh, bed somewhere, and he went with his backpack. Nice. And, and he did it for us. He worked in the, in, the, in the cellars and on the fields and everything. So I picked him up after a month, and I asked him, okay, 
can you make wine now? <laughs> <laughs> a month. Yeah, yeah, a month. Right. Super not, uh, not, not a long. Uh, we're, we're quite, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're quite, how do you say that, autodidact in our family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but for me, it's more entrepreneurial. For him, it's more craftsman. Uh, yeah, okay. And, um, and so we went back home and I had the space. So I had the, the winemaker and, uh, <laughs> and I still needed stuff and grapes and yeah. uh, stuff. I mean, equipment, equipment yeah. which is quite, uh, cost a lot of money and I didn't have that, uh, money. So I asked five friends if they want to join me and, uh, this and later became the, the club of friends we, uh, we have, which is now about 40 people and we're financing and helping with the, with the, with the company, which is super great. And, uh, and, um, and the five friends said, okay, here you get a bit of money. So hop, I got the equipment there, got my father there and then the grapes. And then there was a, the, mm-hmm. the story of, of, I don't know if we have time, but it's a very fun story because I needed my first grapes and I was super excited because I didn't know if you could buy grapes like that. I mean, I had a quite romantic idea about the farmer sitting next to his land and which is also happening. Mm-hmm. But now I understand the more industry side of things and it's it's not that difficult to buy grapes, but now it's more about karma and, and what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But then I was still like, oh, maybe maybe nobody wants to sell me grapes, you know, what uh, what am I going to do then? <laughs> so, and then through, through a friend of a friend, we got to this guy called Joseph de Masia nearby Banyuls in southern France. And, and he never told me his age, but I think he's about 80 or something like that. And he was like, oh, yes, Remy, uh, I don't know, uh, what, Amsterdam, it's a nice city, well, the project uh, it sounds great, but uh, I don't know, Remy, uh, maybe you try tomorrow. You were there? No, 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 no calling, oh, calling, yeah, yeah. calling. Okay. It sounds exactly like this romantic idea that you had, though, just yeah. like some stubborn Frenchman uh, reluctant to sell his grapes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Try tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, then, have to, I don't know, it's like a, <laughs> it's like a mood. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so now, well, long sh- uh, story short, I, I called a few times, and and we didn't get to that point that he was t- t- saying like, okay, you can come up and pick the grapes. So I went there with Jos, and uh, and we we sl- we slept two nights at his place, and it was, it was a beautiful, uh, uh, very a very original man, and uh, and and we drove in this like a, a, a this car with. Um, I don't know. You have this sort of moon moon vehicle which goes super fast through uh, through the through the vintages. So he's like the vintages again, like the quote of uh, of uh, Hannes. But that's more you can Im- imagine it. But this was surreal, especially with the eighty year old behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he made everything in a super nice way, very dynamic. And uh, with you know when you when you make your own um, mests and, uh, and and those kind of uh, manure manure. Yeah, so it's quite quite hard labor, and uh, yeah. and went for dinner, and then and he had anecdotes about him. I, I don't know. I think he met Salvador Dali, and and he had a totally different life. So, you know, so uh, really, so. But in the end, all the way in the end, he was saying like, "Okay, Remy, tell me again about your project." <laughs> <laughs> and then, and now uh, we came to a deal, and it was was su- super cool. Uh, that, uh, wow. And then we were uh, making. Uh, then we had a set of winery. We said it's the first one. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's a great story, man. Yeah, really good. Yeah. And your father's still involved now, is he? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Is, is he still kind of the winemaker? Would you say? Yeah, together with Adam now. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So Jos is very intuitive. Adam has more knowledge, and mm-hmm. combined, it makes quite a forceful. Uh, 
which will do. And he's always had this kind of uh, passion for wine. Yeah. Your father. Yeah, but, but he's a very earthy man. So I gave him a, a queen, like a bee queen yeah. for his holiday. And now he's making honey as well at home. Oh, yeah. That's nice. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. But what was it like growing up with him? Was it was it lots of trips to wine regions and things? Yeah, or, yeah. all the time. Nice. All the time. Where, what are some of those places you remember? Well, well, my knowledge goes as far to Western Europe. So they'll maybe Italy and then upwards. Yeah. So that, that's the domain. So in Spain and Portugal. And yeah, we, we checked out a lot of places. And, um, and we had a company for a while, a little company, like a little store. And then not per se a very uh yeah interesting company but it brought us to interesting places mm. and uh but i think um uh, so we, yeah, I've, I've visited uh, in a fair and it's very funny because you do it as a family so it's it, it is vacation actually mm -hmm. but then you're just instead of you going to a museum you go to a winemaker and you do like 10 in a vacation <laughs> and then <laughs> and because you have a store people are really interesting to see you because there is a possibility of uh, trade uh, yeah. and there is a lot of competition in the wine market. So everybody's super on to the possibility of, uh, of selling a bottle. Um, and, and you, and yeah, I've, I've, I've been to many cool places and, uh, and then, and then you can really see the, you can learn about wine while seeing how it's made in the place where it's grown with the culture of the people who are telling you about it. And mm. I think that that's, that is for sure the the the, the 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 beginning of what I'm doing. Yeah, the magic. Yeah. What's the wine you drink the most? Is there a wine that you can think of that you drink the most from your own winery and maybe from another winemaker? <laughs> What's well, a wine, a chateau wine you drink the most? Uh, phew, good question, man. Uh, well, we make quite a lot these days, so I'm I'm having a little bit hard to just to get through <laughs> all the range, <laughs> keep uh, on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh, well, I'm still super proud. Actually, again on the story of Joseph, the the the, the, the fruit we made back then, we called it uh, Nature's Finest, which was um, which we I think, and we didn't make it with no sulfites at all because we were really experimenting and uh, seeing what would happen. And uh, we drank a sip of that bottle. Lately, it was still really nice. Uh, yeah, I was proud on that wine. Great. And uh, but what would you drink the most? <laughs> the most. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, from last year, I drank most the Tempranillo. Actually, yeah. yeah, I'm quite. I was quite happy with that wine. And can you say from another winemaker or what? What is there a sort of an, uh, something you don't have to think about? Okay, it's always in your fridge or in the cellar or whatever. Uh, yeah. Or that you always seek out when no, you're somewhere. I actually, I actually seek out, yeah. yeah. And I have... Yeah, but it's not like this one winemaker that if it's somewhere on a menu in a restaurant or a bar or whatever, that well, okay, this, yeah. And, and, uh, yes, but it has but to be... The rest can come later, but this I'm going to drink <laughs> because I know it's good. Now, actually, uh, Sander, the true answer is that um, I don't I don't think I would do... I, if I would do it like that, it's because I'm a little bit afraid to, to pick the wrong one. But uh, I, I always try to try to feel the uh, the moment related to taste. So what actually changed when I started Chateau was that I stopped actually tasting wines per se on the on the pure level of how does it smell, how does the mount feeling is, how is the the, the, the zip mm. <laughs> is into do I feel that this wine can make me happy in a certain moment uh, in the next week <laughs> or whatever in my life or uh, 
that really changed and that's the way I drink wine nowadays so I'm looking for moments and um, and uh, yeah so I'm thinking who's coming to visit me what are we gonna eat mm-hmm. <laughs> and or the other way around I have this bottle of wine who will I <laughs> who's, visit who's, who's going want to share it who's with this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, right yeah okay yeah cool yeah Ah, no, that's an answer. Yeah. <laughs> so there isn't really sorts of different uh, specific flavors that you look for when you're drinking wine. I I, I love uh, it, Tuscany wines overall. Okay, I really, yeah. I really. Uh, I, uh, you can make wake me any time of the day or, or of the night for uh, a Tuscan wine for a good Chianti. Yeah, ah, nice. the day actually, more rather the day actually. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Day. How late. <laughs> we. Uh, so just to try and relate it to beer a little bit, we talk a lot about community on this show in general, uh, as it's an important part of the, part of the beer world and many other markets as well. That's why it's come up with previous guests. How important is that community in the that you've come across in the wine industry? Is there a big kind of sharing and collaborative effort, and is that important to Chateau? Uh, yeah, well, uh, depends probably on how you define the community, but. But I would, I think, compared to the beer world, uh, I think it's quite different because uh, I think craft beer makers are much more aware of each other and uh, much more. I think there are also a lot of more symposia, for example, or festivals, or where they come together. While wine is still a bit strange in that competitive sense that if mm-hmm. if they come together, they try to sell their bottle and not. They don't come together too much. It's not there really are fairs, right? And salons and uh... Fair, fairs. Yeah, mean, yeah, but not not on a conceptual. Uh, a little bit in the Loire, it's happening now because I think in the Loire there is a few younger makers who feel, which is more related, I think, to the vibes and the crafts uh, beer energy. But in general, and there, and there are a lot of winemakers. I mean, uh, in France, uh, a part of the economy is wine, and in Italy, the same. And, and you have a whole. Uh, a part of a ministry is talking about wine rules and it's, that's crazy you know mm-hmm. uh, so it's a, it's a world within a world and and in that world uh, the corporation is uh, it's, it's, it's maybe what, what happens sometimes is that you suggest another maker in a sort of row with yourself so you can say we think that we are together standing for a certain quality or a certain mm-hmm idea about environment or about perception but uh, but it's uh it's it's quite stuck it's not uh it's yeah. not uh it's not really this uh fair sharing kind of no. world no no wine is also not it's still not i think we are on the maybe on the tip of an iceberg that it becomes a little bit more fashionable also and maybe more younger mm-hmm. or uh, not younger in the sense of age per se but in the perception of more. personality of it almost the market yeah that people uh, different kind of people are saying we are wine mm-hmm. than before. Okay. Uh, and um, so maybe it's going to happen now. Uh, but for example, when the farmers come here, I'm, I'm, next year I'm thinking about maybe doing a little bit of a symposium. But but, but I'm still looking for how does that work? Because mm-hmm. I've never, I've been to fairs, I've been to, to visit uh, uh, producers, but I've never seen wine people sharing on a sort of a conceptual or creative level lead the way man just uh do you do you yeah. do your thing you know you could be the one that brings it all together yeah yeah well or maybe at least uh can can try uh can try some things out but uh, yeah i think uh, it's also relatively new huh, in the beer industry and i think it's always been there was always a dis- distinction with 
normaal bier en speciaal bier of sort of like and that basically meant industrial lager versus mm-hmm. either Belgian yeah. or English or German traditional styles that were around mostly Belgian in our case here in the Netherlands. Yeah. And it also, uh, it was funny that, that uh, Matthijs from Petty Morgan, he mentioned also that the beer to him was always this bit dark, gray, brown, bar but also the people that were involved were like dead and really this closed world where yeah. nothing exciting or bright or youthful yeah. would come out of and it also i really got hooked on beer when i realized that that was going on you yeah. know and yeah. that it was a really open yeah. industry where people were doing anything yeah. in terms of flavor but also anything around beer and all these collaborative efforts uh, amongst uh, beer makers uh, it's also an industry that was really growing this new way of beer making in a landscape that was fairly traditional and but also people were also kind of done with it or so or yeah. i experienced that myself that i got fed up with beer and until i realized that there was this new movement going on yeah. and it was so much brighter yeah. So I think it might yeah. it just needs a new generation to mm. to show okay yeah. we we can do this in an, in a, in another way and yeah. yeah I think yeah these appellations and these way of working and being super protective of what people do themselves or in a region that yeah. can it has value but it can also there's a yeah also another yeah. side of it and and, and um, so and if maybe I'm 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 not maybe not uh how do you say that overlooking everything enough already but uh i think since the farmers that work with us are so excited i think there is a chance that this will change also in the wine industry and i think also why um yeah i think why we're getting a chance to be a city winery because you can also be very skeptical about a city winery is is that uh, uh that people are more open to new ways of experiencing wine and in that sense it would only be great also now we, we're 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 cooperating with collaborating with you guys on, on the beer part for new tastes but also if somebody else would make wine here i think there are a few guys who started the project and uh beva wijk if i'm uh, right i think mm. there are it's now or something there's something in the air and wine yeah. is following the beer uh what the beer movement is already a little bit further on which I feel yeah. proud of oh, to I be part that. of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a new generation of makers, I guess, yeah. right? And something that came up, I think, also uh, before, that the connection with sort of the slow food movement mm-hmm. and the role of locality and people trying to understand whatever they consume, where it comes from and why it is what it is. Mm. Uh, I think yeah. that plays a role in that. And then also people that have the ambition or this sleeping dream maybe of doing something with either bread or wine or beer or distilled drinks uh yeah anything flavor yeah Uh, that's also what i like really about being next to you guys but also we work together with the guys from distillery and well that you are so close to each other and not competitive Mm. but but, and i yeah but that that it feels like um well together we have a lot of knowledge i think you're learning mm. for adam and adam is learning from you and i'm learning from you and from tristan and which is helping each other which is really nice to uh, yeah 
to uh, to to be not alone in no. uh, in, in such a energy. I think build something eh? build something yeah and uh, each have their own interpretation of what they like to do or what a beer or wine or whatever should be like yeah yeah it seems like across uh, these different makers there is this shared ambition to kind of still push the boundaries of what can uh, be interesting beverages let's say like you mentioned that we uh, there's a collaboration that's going on between a, a beer a brewery and a winery can you guys maybe explain how does a collaboration like that work explain a little bit to the people listening how a, a brewery and a winery would collaborate yeah i think you can do it in many different ways we have a bottle on the table that's not actually an, <laughs> it is an oedipus beer but not with uh yeah chateau is not involved in this one unfortunately <laughs> but we we um we should open it we should open yeah. it i'll open it while uh, you start to explain because it is an example and i'm out of beer actually, just so also <laughs> mention the number of the other beer please yeah, <laughs> yeah actually it's uh it's completely gone oh so glad i got that on microphone <laughs> um yeah but what we did last year and again uh with uh so with 2018 harvest um we got uh, some of the um, uh, grape skins after pressing uh, to the brewery. We mixed that in beer and let it macerate uh, in a beer and um, actually made a, uh, that was the base for a beer that we made. We blended in some other beer that sat in wine barrels. Um, but yeah, so we basically used the 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 rest stream of yeah. chateau our neighbors uh to yeah pull some flavors and also some sugars that are still left and um from the grapes and the the the, the skins that were there after pressing this beer is, is kind of different because we had with this one we got grape juice in that we fermented ourselves and then blended with some beer uh so yeah there's there's I think endless possibilities, how you, you can make a hybrid product, uh, where, uh, basically it's about grain and grape mm -hmm. and you can yeah. use each of them in any form. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you can, yeah, of course have two final products and blend them or, and that's basically sort of both products at the end of their production, uh, and blend that. To make something new and make something that has partly wine, partly beer, or you can go all the way to the beginning and maybe use grapes in the brewing process, or yeah. get a must in and uh, let that start to ferment and put a wort on top of it. You know, yeah. that's also stuff that's happening. Oh, uh, I like the last. Like, yeah, I'm curious to the last part. Yeah, no. So yeah. there's at the or so, yeah. and those are maybe the both extremes. Yeah. Mm. Or you you start with the fruit straight from the field. You get it in. Mm. You uh, put it on a beer. You know you can yeah. do all these different things uh, uh, to create something that is that involves both grapes and yeah, in grain ingredients. Yeah. yeah, and maybe on the other other sides is also that the. We, or maybe we should, uh, maybe that also needs more, uh, more, um, thinking, but, uh, the, the end product is, is it, is it the beer is it the wine, uh, and especially where, where is it connected to with which energy or moment or, mm. and we still, yeah, we, uh, we, we just touched it up till now. Yeah. Uh, but I'm really uh, curious to, uh, 
yeah, to evolve also the uh, the um, yeah not not only um, yeah to only to, to to evolve the 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 making part but also the uh, enjoying part of uh, of uh, when these two worlds come together. Mm. You know, for yeah. Also, for example, uh, we're actually just started a tasting room, and of course, we also uh, uh, use your guys. So we 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 uh, like to come to your tasting room, and I'm also watching and learning about what you guys do and what kind of people mm. are in the tasting room and how do they relate to the product. And for us, we're we're a bit more fresh, so we still have to find out a lot of things. And I always like the idea of a lot of of a lot of. Uh, uh, bottles on the table uh and uh and and uh, so we could also experiment with that now remy i have uh, one final question before the final part of the podcast um now how do you what are your future goals for chateau do you have something that you're kind of driving towards oh um <laughs> <laughs> well um well growing your own grapes no no <laughs> Still. No, that's your. Would you? Uh, yeah, you're talking. You were. You're, you're thinking about bit, it. Eh? It's a bit of an ongoing theme for Sandra on this podcast. He asks every. I think he's trying to uh, kind of meet a group of different people that all want to start a farm with him. So I. Th- so I think he was uh, asking that question because he's uh, looking for friends. Yeah. No, well, I, 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 a few grapes are okay, <laughs> but I've seen uh, the work that comes with a lot of grapes, and uh, that's a different. Uh, yeah. A different uh different thing and you need a lot of grapes for wine it's incredible eh? we only we we use already more than 20 hectare to make what we're making and uh, wow that's quite a big place and it gets bigger bigger and bigger and um so what we what we're gonna do i think um i think uh uh well yeah difficult to say um we the way we've been working until now is quite also intuitively. Intuitively, can you help me with intuitively. that? Intuitively, yeah. And How can I pronounce it all right? Yeah. So, and for uh, you know, it depends a little bit the way uh, you look at us. Are we uh, an initiative started by a father and son, or are we uh, a startup, or are we? Uh, it depends. So you can give a different answer uh, mm-hmm. to that question, uh, but. What I think is really strong in what we're doing at the moment is that we're quite honest on where we are and what we do. We're not trying to uh, be better than we are at the moment. And mm-hmm. we're just trying our utmost best and try to keep fun in the process. And actually, I think the next step we would be super cool to embrace is if we uh, if we get um, if we get uh, uh, if we get the phenomenon of patience inside the whole uh, company and everybody so that uh, we and, and you know you got the economic reality and you got the uh, ambitious reality and and so on but that we embrace patience as a new uh, core value in which we can uh, relate to the uh, tempo of nature relate to the tempo of people of the people we're meeting here relate to our own tempo and from that perspective keep keep exploring the world of wine and broadening up because i like to i like to 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 broaden your horizons yeah to yeah. see all of europe and 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 show all of europe to to amsterdam mm-hmm. and uh and uh, and uh and then i can imagine that we uh yeah we're, we're we're dreaming maybe also about our 
farm kind of thing but it's not going to be a farm but <laughs> we're still figuring that out probably just like you guys also because we're all in this exciting part of Amsterdam North mm-hmm. which defines us but also uh, <laughs> gives us a lot of <laughs> some limitations <laughs> some limitations <laughs> yeah yeah no and uh no 20 yeah. hectares uh, available here no 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 no, no that, that's not necessary but some uh, would be nice to uh, i don't, i would love to have horses inside chateau that that would be a personal uh, now there's a goal, goal. Uh, goal. what's that with horses and chateau ah, horses are there gus also yeah gus and adam also yeah he uh, and mave the photographer <laughs> yeah super cool man horses are the next uh what next, <laughs> next something the next humans yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you very much, Raimi. I think you're a very humble guy. I think it's quite refreshing to hear you uh, talk about certain things. It's good. But uh, this isn't the end of the podcast. There is one final element, okay. and that is the quiz. Uh, I did let you know beforehand we were doing the quiz, so you don't seem as shocked as some of my guests. Some of them are like, I'm going to do a quiz. <laughs> but anyway, uh, how this is going to work, I write 10 questions. It's usually themed around the guest. Uh, Sander is my assistant here. He's going to keep in track of the score. Okay. Now, the quiz is pretty straightforward, actually, this week. It is just uh, a history or just a wine general knowledge quiz. So this is also for the... This is also testing your knowledge and also some of the beer geeks that may be following the show. Let's see how much they can follow the the quiz. So here we go, a wine pop quiz. Question number one. The average number of grapes needed to produce a bottle of wine... (laughs) <laughs> come on Remy uh, yeah I mean, it depends on the variety but, yeah, yeah. Uh, just, you just got to imagine what I might have written down we'll, we'll allow some leeway I would I say, how many wines have you made now I would, I would say a kilo and a kilo is about I don't know how much a thousand of, uh, sorry 100 uh, 150 grapes uh, no, it's not what I've got written down. It's 600, 600 grapes 600. needed for But a it's a really good wine then. It's yeah. not Chateau okay. Amsterdam. <laughs> Maybe you we could, can do it with another 50. Skates. Maybe you could learn something from my quiz. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, question number two. Novenophobia is the fear of what? Novenophobia is the fear of what? <laughs> Novenophobia. It's the fear of... Wacht even hoor, dat is een dubbel ding, ja? Het is een no-finophobie fear of not having lived. No, just think about it. I'll give you another chance. It's kind of in relation to wine. It, it's a real term? Yeah. You're not making this up? No, I've not made it up. Someone else might have. We're not talking about a... no vino. Geen wijn. Phobia. Yeah, nearly there, nearly there. That you don't have wine. Yeah, the fear of running out of wine. Jesus. No fear. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> Great. I'm All looking. Right. I'm okay. looking. Uh, we'll give you I'm that. this simple person. I have no <laughs> layers, no philosophy. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Okay, question number Great. three. You should get this one. Why is glass used? Uh, why is the glass used for wine bottles tinted? Well, it's because the quality of the wine, uh, I think it's better when it's... Uh, not uh, directly sunshine that is that I'll i'm getting that. very insecure about no 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 hey don't worry about it <laughs> i'll accept that's correct okay. protect, to protect the wine from light yeah. 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 Uh, okay here's another numbers question what percentage of wine is water in a bottle zero mm. 
It's not what I've got written down. Yeah. Maybe maybe the question wasn't technically written enough. Oh, was, but it's, was, you know more about this, Sonda? Yeah, there's water in a grape. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I only see grape juice. Okay. It's how, in, it's, it's how much incorrect. would it be? 85% is what I've got written down. Ah, just like a human being. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Almost. Yeah, exactly. yeah. 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 Very like very we're 80% water. So next time, two-thirds? Next time we're selling water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but beer is 95. Eh, or yeah, so. but everybody knows that beer is made with, with water. But <laughs> yeah, nah, yeah. But it's liquid. You know, yeah, he's got to look at it somewhere. Okay, question, question number five. What does the term noble rot refer to? Yeah, that's when you um, when you wait a little bit when the fruit is still on the in the plant and the, it becomes a krentje, mm-hmm. and then you use it uh, krentje and the, the the schimmel that does that is a positive. Fungus, yeah, fungus, yeah, schimmel, fungus. Okay. Fungus. fungus. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've got written down. A fungus that helps produce a sweet wine. Yeah. yeah, you got the right answer. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I'm happy, yeah, happy to uh, take that. <laughs> if, yeah. the, if the word noble is in it, I always know the answer. Okay. Question <laughs> number six, uh, another wine term. What does macaptan refer to? <laughs> Say again? Macaptan. Um, macaptans. There are a couple of uh, macaptans in this one. It's a uh, chemical compound. Yeah. Is that... Uh, Oh, sorry, man. Got to, uh, maybe Sander can take this one for me. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically the unpleasant smell in wine, right? It's like the off yeah, uh, notes. Yeah, it's sulfury, or some people might say sewer, or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's the, mec- mec- what's the Dutch Mer- word? Merkaptaan. Merkaptaan, ah, yeah. yeah. No, I, don't ma- think it's ge- I don't think it's an English term. It's more of like a, a just a general wine chemical, term. Chemical. Yeah, that's, why we, chemical th- that's why I work with um, in a team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, question number seven. Uh, in order to buy the expensive wines of Romanai Conte, you have to what? In order to buy the expensive wines of Romanai. Yeah, there is a... Is there, there is is that a, a winemaker who has his own way of yeah, telling so you that you're good enough for his bottle of wine? Yeah, there's kind of like there is kind of a rule that I read about that uh, in order to buy the wines of Romane Conte, you have to do something particular. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a rite of passage or anything, but I don't know. We're always talking about that. There, anybody can come and drink a wine. <laughs> so yeah, we're not. The, Maybe you could learn something from yeah, these tell guys. Me. What, what <laughs> okay. do I have to do? All to right, get so a it, of wine? I, I will incorrect. Uh, you, incorrect. Have to, you have to buy eleven <laughs> other wines at the same at the same time. So in order to buy a Romane Conte from uh, the supplier, you have to buy... Cases. Yeah, you have to buy uh, two cases. All right. Well, that's not a bad idea. Which is quite... Which is quite... Which is quite expensive. I'm going to write it down. <laughs> which is quite expensive if you think about the price of a Romane Conte can go for around uh, $20,000. Oh, yeah. One was yeah, sold for yeah, like yeah, just yeah. over half a million yeah. dollars. Yeah. So it's quite an expensive wine. Wine. They're in Burgundy, right? Yeah. Have you ever drunk an expensive wine? No, no, not one that's worth twenty thousand no, dollars. But it always tastes also a little bit like a not twenty thousand oh, yeah? bottle of wine. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm not so. I'm always a bit like ah, yeah, you always come up, go yeah, 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 It's yeah. still grapes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that Netflix uh, documentary, Sour Grapes? The, 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 that's the one where he's uh, using the. Yeah, well, he makes all these counterfeit wines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, Very funny. Yeah, it's amazing. Incredible. Eh? Really, really good, yeah. yeah. We're going to try that next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right, last three questions. Question oh. number eight. Uh, a Nebuchadnezzar holds how many standard bottles of wine? 
<laughs> so a Nebuchadnezzar is a is a, a bottle size, if I'm yeah. correct, right? So like how a magnum, and like a magnum, and it goes up and up. I wouldn't know the answer either. I know I, it's big. I, I was thinking about that spaceship in Matrix. Ah, that was going to be my. I was uh, thinking bonus how, question. how many bottles will <laughs> fit in a spaceship in how Matrix? Many, how many bottles, Neo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if Neo would have had the bottles. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. No answer. red or blue pill. No. Uh, give me those bottles. Yeah. I'm um, tempted to give you a point just for the fact that you chose the Matrix film uh, instead of the white. <laughs> make, make but anyway, let's, let's have a guess, Remy. I'm sure. You, how many bottles? Fun. Yeah, how, how many bottles? So, uh, one, two, yeah, I don't know. Ten. It's 20. <sighs> a lot of wine. It's a lot of champagne. It's a standard champagne uh, size. Well, uh, well, standard champagne size bottle, you can get 20, which is yeah. 15 liters. Yeah. Um, okay, question the number nine. correct. <laughs> nice. Okay, question number nine. Uh, who painted the picture Red Vines in Al? Arles. So the painting, Arles. famous painting, Red Vines in Arles. In Arles? Yeah. Arles. Oh, I should know that one. Uh, uh, was it? Uh, vines. Red Vines. Uh, help, help me, Sander Matisse. Nee. Nee. Um, Dutch guy. Dutch guy? Van Gogh. Hey. We'll take that. Correct. Well done. You, even though you got a bit of help from the guy who's got the answers in front of him. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I will did you know? That. Did you know yourself? No. <laughs> but you're not into wine. <laughs> or art. Or, or art. Or, anything. <laughs> or quizzes. Okay. But there was another there was another painter in Alice, eh? there were I think no? There was I don't think, think uh, Van Gogh is yeah, he's actually from Arles. Van Gogh made Arle. Yeah. No, okay. never mind. I should, okay. I should <laughs> Back All to right. me. Another uh, another uh, wine related question for question number ten. <laughs> Uh, which group sang about Champagne Supernova? <laughs> My God. And is that the list of where you... Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> Champagne Supernova. So which group sang about Champagne Supernova? Yeah. Can you sing it? Nerdy. Champagne Supernova in the sky. One day you will find me. <laughs> Japanese landslide. Oh, my God, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Write me down all at the bottom of your list. <laughs> ah, no. Okay, all right. Uh, not even a guess, no? Ah, it doesn't. Big band from the 90s. I don't know. I listened to Nirvana. I said, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Sure they, they no, didn't. no. Incorrect. Around similar times, but it's Oasis. Oasis ah. sang Champagne Supernova. That's why you were singing it together. Yeah, we're like the Amsterdam North Gallagher brothers. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I should have known. I should have known. All right, okay. He's so, a nice one. Uh, yeah. Are you, uh, who's the nice one again? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I prefer Liam, to be honest, but I'm not uh, sure if he's nice. <laughs> anyway, all right. Great way to end the show. How did how did Remy do after that, that oh, wow. uh, disastrous performance? I would say. <laughs> yeah, start was slow. Then he picked up actually. Uh, it slowed uh, down again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then it slowed down a bit, but um, a little in bit. the end, there's a highlight again. So four out of four. Ten. Four uh, out of ten. Not too bad. Whoa, whoa, whoa. In good company with Boris Dubai here. <coughs> and 
Yeah, you're yeah, not at the bottom. So let's say no. there's, there's some there's some pride there's in there. Hope. There is Under hope. Only a mid-amount. Under, yeah. Oh my god. Ah, that's not too bad, right? Not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. Ah. Still, still a lot of. Um... Yeah, but don't worry about it. But uh, just to end the show, Remy, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, and was Sander, Yeah. Thanks yeah, for doing one. this again. But yeah, thank you very much, and see you later. Bye bye. All right. Ciao. ciao. And that's it for another episode of the Radio Oedipus podcast. A very special thanks for tuning in. was a pleasure chatting to Remy and, of course, Sander. You can find out more information by heading to the Chateau Amsterdam website or drop by their tasting room in Amsterdam North. And why not have a beer with us too? As I said at the top of the show, you can find all episodes of the show on our website, oedipus.com forward slash radio, and by searching Radio Oedipus on your podcast app. If you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure you like and subscribe to keep up to date. The music on today's show is written and composed by Ola I Music, and tune in next time for more explorations into the culture of beer. <laughs>